this episode of Comedy Rewind. Does any 90s comedy have a better ensemble cast than The Big Lebowski? What makes The Dude such an iconic character? Is Steve Buscemi ever gonna win the Steve Buscemi Sparkplug Award? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica and 8bit.net as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I am your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, just back from shopping for a new rug, we've got 8-Bit Zone, Sammy Deej, and Ooh. special guest, DJ Payne. How you doing? I just dropped in to see what condition my condition is in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. Very good. Sure very did. good. Thank you very much for having us in the studio, DJ. My pleasure. I hope uh, as as we're recording this, there's a whole bunch of different noises around the studio, so apologies if there's any bleed yeah. going oh, over there. Great. The... Now I can't edit it out because <laughs> then people are going to be like, oh, what about noises? I was listening for the noises yeah. didn't hear nothing. That's all good. So we are, of course, at the 96.3 radio studio. DJ, for listeners who aren't familiar with you from past 8-bit appearances on It Is What It Is and yes. putting in work. You are a breakfast radio host. I do breakfast five days a week, Monday to Friday, 5.30 to 9.30. Join me on 96.3 FM. Way too early. Everyone's hanging for the phrase. Today's Christian music. That that's going to get everybody excited. My um, credibility has just jumped up. You know, street cred has gone well, through you, the roof. You get street cred on this show because you were <laughs> you're the old guy. You're the resident old guy. You were here for the nineties yeah. in uh, in very much uh, fully formed yes. fashion. Yes, uh, unlike Sammy Deej, who I yeah. don't know what year were you born? Ninety one or something? Ninety three. So I, I I left when I was six years old. Holy like, moly! Yeah. You were but, born in ninety three. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's. I I feel like this oh, is going to be weird. Lord. Me being on the podcast for Comedy Rewind because it's just like, I didn't see any of these That's in okay. theatres. I didn't see any of these till like two years ago <laughs> kind of thing. This is good though. You give it, you yeah. give a fresh, exactly. you know, millennial look at things, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So we are talking about The Big Lebowski today. Yeah. The Coen Brothers 1998 it's a, is it a crime comedy? I don't know. Well, I mean, it, it's it the st- most intellectual one, so I, I can understand why you brought me on and... <laughs> yeah. and and Mr. DJ, so we can have this, yeah. you know, nice philosophical conversation. You know, we had Dumb and Dumber, and now we've yeah. got, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so excited. This is, I'm just going to put it out there. This is one of my most favorite films. It'd be in my top five to 10 films of wow. all time, full stop. Damn. I've seen this film a lot over the years, and getting ready for this, I found it a really great excuse to watch the new 4K edition, Rescan, uh, over and over again. So I am, uh, I am so excited. I love Coen Brothers. And this is one of my favourite Coen Brothers film. And I saw this in the cinema yeah. at the Village Geelong in 1998. Wow. Yeah. What was the most striking scene in, in 4K? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? You can read out, uh, you can read a lot of the text. Okay. Uh, like, for example, I noticed for the first time, we're going to get really nerdy oh really quickly. Right. <laughs> when, um, when the dude is on the floor listening to his Walkman on the cassette tape cover. It has, you know, the bowling, you know, the bowling sounds that he's listening to. And it says in little scribble that I've never read before, side two, Bob. And then (laughs) later on we have him listening to Bob Bob Dylan. Uh, So it's the Ah, same cassette that he's listening to. You are a nerd. Yeah, there (laughs) you (laughs) are. 
I see that now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, that's that's an interesting way to come into this, I guess, as you being how old in 1998? I was. Gee, we really put come him on. on yeah, yeah we're really going to date him right now. We have to. <laughs> I was All twenty. Right. I was twenty-four years old. Okay. I had my own photographic studio in the middle of uh, Geelong, so mm-hmm. and I would often, when I was quiet in the afternoon, didn't have any shoots on, I would literally walk a couple of blocks over from James Street where I was mm. to the village. And sit in the cinemas and watch uh, some great movies, yeah. especially around 1998 was my peak watching movies at the village. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a lot older than I was. I was uh, uh, 98, 10 or 11 years oh, old. I was like That's five. Was, yeah. <laughs> and my early memories of this film is like, I didn't actually watch it until I was probably in uni. I was, it was probably 2006 because mm. we all know it, it as a cult classic, it's not the kind of movie that would have got played on you know, Saturday Channel 10, you know, mm. five times a year, like Billy Madison or Wayne's yeah. World or something. Yeah. So it was only through like people referencing it in, in media mm. and the I guess... cultural osmosis of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. People referring to it as like this classic comedy that you have to watch and eventually being, okay, let's see what this is all about. So, so watching it like that for you two, this is what mm. I'm fascinated about. Having that baggage attached to it, you know, did it live up to the hype? I think so, yeah. I, th- I think it's pretty obvious why it, it was it so beloved. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I had that much attached to it because okay. I, like, I, I think off the top of my head, the two things that I can think of that I might have seen it at beforehand, and I guess, you know, we'll be coming back to this topic a little bit later, is like just like a seen it game on my phone and also um, <laughs> a few YouTube videos. That are just like how philosophical it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, re- when was the first time you saw it? It must have not been. Too I think long probably uh, the the first time I, I watched it in full would be uh, not that long ago, like three or four years ago, maybe. Wow. Like I, I kind of had um, a, a, a phase of like, oh, I want to watch like a hundred movies yeah. in a year and review all of them, and I got to like. 60 and i was just like yeah well, that's pretty good yeah. that's done I mean, that's I, great that's yeah. more than one a week so. i mean i watched like two of my least favorite movies ever. <laughs> i watched pixels um, oh, no. which is great because i'm gonna have to re-watch that for my podcast so <laughs> uh but yeah that was that was amongst them and i mean you know it is a pretty interesting absurdist kind of comedy mm. kind of thing it's it's a little bit kind of crazy like that and uh, yeah I, I kind of appreciate that even though you know i'm, I'm kind of I don't know. It's it's it, it's a weird mood to be in because like I'm just like oh no all these authority figures are getting the man down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's but. interesting because like you can't really be a film buff of any level and not know the Coen Brothers, whether it's yeah. Fargo or the work that they've been doing more recently like True Grit and uh, No Country for Are they No Country for Old Men? Do you want me to read out oh, the? Do you want me to read out Hell the list? Oh, okay. Yeah, go, go, go for it. Go for <laughs> it, DJ. You obviously want to. No, I'm literally just pulling it up right here. Okay, so this is what they've directed. Uh, we know them from Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo. And then after Fargo, their next film after Fargo was Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. So I had only seen the Fargo, uh, Raising Arizona, and I might have seen um, uh, Barton Fink at that time. And so when I saw that they had a new movie coming out, and it's mm-hmm. so weird to be thinking I was alive in 98 and the new movie, Big Lebowski, was coming yeah. out. I was so excited to go see it. But then they followed up Big Lebowski with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. Yeah. Man Who Wasn't yeah. There, Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading a Serious Man, True Grit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So a lot of, of those. lot of really 
big and well-loved movies. So mm. it, it's poss- very possible that a lot of people, I guess, of our age could have got yeah. in through the back door that way where I was like, oh, the Coen brothers, let's go back and see what's yeah what they've I, done before. I mean, there's such a cultural touchstone as well. You know, like one, one of my favourite tabletop RPGs is... is a th- a one called Fiasco, and it's always like we're making a Coen Brothers film, but it's like a game okay. kind of thing. It's like, oh wow, it's 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 so cool that they've kind of you know carved out this awesome mm. little niche for themselves. Yeah. And uh, over the years, TJ, was it something different for them to do something that's mostly a comedy at this point? Uh, well, Raising Arizona was a bit of a wacky film. This mm. one for me, I remember enjoying it a lot, but walking out. And going, I don't know what I just saw. I don't <laughs> yeah. know that first viewing I had in 1998 in the cinema. I loved every minute of it, but it was so surreal to me. But I knew I, I walked out thinking, I'm going to have to watch that again. Yeah. And uh, so when it came out on VHS, watching it over and over and over again on that yeah. and DVD, et cetera, et cetera. It's very plot heavy in, in some ways. Like it, it's not essential to enjoying the movie no. by any means, yeah. but there is a lot to follow in twists and turns. And yeah, yeah, but as the Coen brothers have said in many interviews about it, they've said, look, it's a very detailed plot that means absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's inconsequential. Yeah. It reminded me of like the Great Gatsby. Like it's all this crazy stuff happening around this person who has no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what makes it so different. Cause it, cause it does kind of feel like a Coen Brothers movie, but just told from someone who's almost completely irrelevant to the plot and yet is so completely tied in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. great. So for me, I think this was probably my introduction to Jeff Bridges. And it's wow. funny because. This is just what I associate with him now, not realizing that he had this like 30 year career of like Academy Award nominations and yeah. uh, all this all this stuff, like this whole pre-goatee Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and this is essentially how he's been seen and recognized since then is yep. the look that he has in this movie. I find that really interesting. Yeah, yeah he was like a leading man. Yeah. He was and like really this really handsome, like ha- super yeah, handsome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heartthrob leading man at the time. And so this was a really big left turn for him yeah. and he made a big deal like he was like how am I going to work out you know he's used to getting physically fit mm. for roles and everything like that and they're like no we want you to have like this is the original dad bod you know yeah, type yeah. of thing <laughs> you know he he let himself go for this one and okay. it's funny to this day his family especially his children said out of all the movies you've done dad this one is actually you this right. one's the most <laughs> like you in real life that's funny yeah and it's it's interesting because he yeah, if you want to feel self-conscious, Google like young Jeff Bridges. <laughs> devastatingly handsome. Yeah, he say. was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny you say that it's, it's so him because apparently Coen Brothers, and you'll know this DJ, based the Jeff Lebowski character on mm. a producer in Hollywood called Jeff Dowd who was uh, very similar to, to the character of the dude played by Jeff Bridges. So there's yep. three Jeffs in play here. Uh, being Bridges, Lebowski, and Dowd. Mm. And it's interesting just to see that pretty much everyone in the movie seems to be based on someone that they knew. Yeah, exactly. And the Coen brothers do that a lot, like literally getting an idea for a movie from one story that somebody tells them. Mm. And so this was a couple of different stories about uh, the homework being found in a stolen car... Oh. And 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 the se- and then finding out it was from a child who belonged to a Hollywood, you know, hero who was sick, and then they tied that in with this a real life character who was known as the dude, who's you know. So they've tied it all in together, and out of that they yeah. they came up with the story. They wanted to do that noir crime film, 
but talk about the early 90s in America and combine it all together. So mm. it's a mismatch of yeah. ideas, but I love it. Yeah, yeah it works. Yeah. Do you remember the, I guess, general opinion of this movie when it came out? I, it was pretty underrated. And I, I to be honest with you, I, even though it's, you know, it's talked about in, in sacred, you know, uh, tones for some people, yeah. I still think it's a pretty underrated film, uh, to be honest with you. I, th- I think it's an amazing achievement. Yeah. Um, Wasn't there the whole dudism thing? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole, there's there's a religion based off this. Uh, I do <laughs> find it so interesting that we're, we're talking about this movie that has like a religion following and has all these, you know, interesting things to say about religion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting that this became, this, this is one of your favourite movies. Yeah, well, it, well, it, well, it's funny. I think that's the appeal of a Coen brother, Brothers film is that they, a lot of their um, films are about, you know, as two Jewish guys who are not practising Jewish as in religious or anything, but very observant about different customs and stuff and very knowledgeable. Yeah, <laughs> very, very knowledgeable about their history. They, they are commentating on culture all the time, so even when they're not, you know, like it doesn't seem like it's overtly commenting, commentating on culture. They they do in this. And so having this guy who's a leftover from the 60s in the 90s, it sort of just speaks to, you know, something that people are missing. And that's why people like the dudism. You know, they want to be like mm. the dude. You know, there, there's a lot there to, uh, to uh, draw yourself to, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. From what I've read... There were mixed reviews, but even looking at Rotten Tomatoes, they've got it sitting at 83, which yeah. is really high. So I don't know if, if that just means that the people who didn't like it really didn't like it. Yeah. Or I don't know if Rotten Tomatoes has like a retroactive thing of people reviewing it now. I think it's definitely yeah. a retroactive thing, yeah. Probably. Which makes yeah. it hard to judge what it was like at the time. But I've got a quote here from The Guardian that criticised the movie as a bunch of ideas shoveled into a bag and allowed to spill out at random. <laughs> the film is infuriating and will win no prizes, but it does have some terrific jokes. Yeah. I find that <laughs> like some some of that is actually accurate, but the general sense as being and coming from a negative perspective, I view all those things as positives. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think I think it went over a lot of people's heads at the time. Mm. I think that people were expecting something very different from a Coen Brothers film, and and it, and to this to this day, it's a weird movie. It's a mishmash of like at first you think, is this going to be a western? film type of thing they have a really western motif to begin and that the keeps weird, yeah yeah that keeps bubbling up then it there's just goes the, on the f- beach yeah what? Exactly. <laughs> down daddy goes in california and then you've got this noir sense and i love yeah. there's there's a couple of different there's so many different theories about this film one of my favorite ones is that every character in the movie no matter how small they are is in a different movie mm. so oh, you know okay. so so the stranger, the narrator, is in a western. Yeah, you know, the yeah. dude is in a slacker comedy. You know, type stoner type of film. You know, uh, Walter is in a Nam post Nam gritty yeah. war film revenge movie. Yeah, you know, and everybody's got a different idea of where they are, and it really does have all these senses of different tones and feelings as it goes mm-hmm. along. Yeah, well, that's that's where I feel like it's really kind of absurdist. Like it's kind of just this thing of like. You know, by the, by the end of the movie, you know, like, what's this grand tale about? It's about a guy who, oh, my God, he made it to the semifinals of the bowling. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yay. Oh, and also his friend died, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. So the movie was filmed for $15 million. It made 46 worldwide, but only 18 in the US. So it was considered a, a disappointment at the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm thinking the VHS and DVD sales would... Uh, 
more than make up for it. And that's mm-hmm. why it is a cult classic. Before we move on to kind of the categories, I just want to do a little bit of a, a tangent on Philip Seymour Hoffman because oh, yeah. what you know, one of the yeah. great actors of, of our generations mm. and so good in a small role in yes. this movie. I mean, I was it a small role? It, it felt like it felt like it was it, almost a bigger role it, than the Big Lebowski. It feels it feels like it. <laughs> you know? But it, if you actually like look at how many lines he has and how much time he's on the screen, it's it's fairly small. Like, he's, but compared to compared to yeah, because know? like he he introduces him to the Big Lebowski and then leaves the room, and you get like these this long you get these long yeah. monologues from from the Big Lebowski. Uh, but yeah, I just love the way he's, he portrays so this character and the personality. Like, you can't tell if he's really proud of his boss or if he's just like ultra professional in this like Wayland yeah. Smithers yes. style character. Total Wayland Smithers his boss. Yeah, yep. and yep. he's like uncomfortably nervous at mm. everything that the dude has, but he's also trying to be super polite at the same time. He yeah. just nails that kind of like aesthetic. It, it's such a, a fun thing for an actor that you know can do pretty much anything and he's a dramatic you know he's a dramatic superstar and he's won oscars and everything but yeah he's just coming in for this little part in this comedy i just love that he's down for it he he, he had just been in boogie nights the year mm. before he had uh you know he was in the same year he did uh the big lebowski he did uh happiness patch adams all these other like he was a at this stage in his career, he was a recognised but hard-working actor, like yeah. character actor. Yeah. Mm. And he's so different in this role. This is a really different role for him, but he's perfect, pitch perfect as Brandt right from the very mm. beginning yeah. when he's when he's showing the big Lebowski, showing, sorry, the dude, yeah. the big Lebowski wall. It, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. The and first lady. Uh, what, yeah, exactly. The don't, the, my, that's one of my favourite bits where, and it says so much about the dude as well, that he's showing him a thing and he keeps touching the shoe, you know, that shoe sort of plate on the plaque and he says, you know, he keeps just gently saying, don't touch that, or and he's sort of doing his hand. And as the dude leaves, he touches it and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman pulls the greatest face as in like it's hurting him as he's touching it. I love, I just, oh, he's yeah. great in it. And the fact that straight away he gets that his name is the dude. Right. I mean, so yeah. Yeah. so when, when Big Lebowski is saying Mr. Lebowski, Brand is interpreting, saying, "Come on, the dude! dude. <laughs> Come on, dude! Yeah. I just love, I love him in this scene. His interactions with Tara Reid, Bunny yes. Lebowski, are great as well because yeah. he, he's, he's ver- she's very clearly not someone that has earned any kind of respect, but he has to but treat her as much, like otherwise he has to pay a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> he, he basically refers to her in the exact same terminology as he does the first lady, like lovely woman. Yes, and, like, <laughs> she's yeah. saying these like. Abhorrent things. And yeah. He's like, ah, oh, lovely woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. there's, a, there's the other great thing about the Cohen brothers, and this is a great example of this in this film, is that in 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes of the of the film, we get everything we need to know about the dude. Mm. I mean, we do get the voiceover from the stranger, and we know he's a man of our times. You know, something mm, we know he's a yeah. lazy man, but just in the way that. They film him in the little choices that he makes non-verbally. We get so much about his character. We know that he's shifty because he's got the milk in the very first scene that we mm. see. Like he opens the milk, he's paying it, yeah. he's paying it with a sixty-nine cent check yeah, I love that. on the September eleventh, nineteen ninety-one is yeah. the date where it's it's all set. Uh, you know, and he's paying for it with a milk mustache on his uh, on yeah. his thing. Uh, you know, we we find out. You know, he's got. With that scene with Brandt, even from the very opening scene with the uh, the two morons smashing him into the toilet, he's got an attitude. 
you know, he's, like he's super chill. He's super, it. he's super chill. But like, they put him down in the toilet, and they're like, "Where's the money?" And he's like, well, "Let me check down." Yeah, that, yeah, it might, it might be back down there. And so he's, you know, he's got an attitude about it. Yeah. I just love in such a brief, short amount of time, mm. we get to know this character in a way that they don't need to like let us know with all these big dialogues. Yeah, it's yeah. so Coen Brothers. It's great. And just like from his outfit, you can look at it for two seconds in that first scene. He's wearing a dressing gown, flip-flops, yes. shorts, <laughs> and the sunglasses inside. And you're like, okay, this, yeah. this guy's a chill yeah. bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he, 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 he sits on the toilet, puts his glasses on. Yeah. And it's just like, yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that, our and, boy. And, and the sunglasses, that's it. You've, you're saying that's perfect. The sunglasses are like straight away we know they're important because mm. he reaches in the, to- the toilet he fishes yeah. them out of the toilet it's like they protect him they're like some yeah. sort of superpower thing and the next time we see them is when he it, t- fi- it ties his outfit together it's <laughs> he went, when he when he angers the big Lebowski by mentioning his wife yeah. and he bangs the tables don't mention my wife and he gets he's getting authority blasted at him he mm-hmm. leans back puts the sunglasses it's like a shield <laughs> to the world around him I, I love I love that part of the character yeah. it's so cool well, let's get into the categories by setting the scene with the number one song when this film released. Do you have any guesses? Oh, oh 1998. No, I have no I didn't idea. Even look. You'll feel foolish when I tell you. No Scrubs by TLC? That's a good guess because there's been a lot of TLC in, in this show, but uh, no, it's not that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up. Shaggy. No. no. So, <laughs> so I got, just for you, DJ, I've got yeah. Billboard and Aria. Oh, yes. Okay. Australia. Oh. Australia. Represent. So, you know. Billboard was My Heart Will Go On, Celine Dion. Oh, wow. That's a tonal shift. Yeah, I guess we're just after the the release of Titanic. Yes. And then the movie released a few months later in Australia. We had Getting Jiggy With It by Will Smith. (laughs) Which was was pretty close from Shaggy. That was my my first album. Big Big Willie style. So shout out to Big Will. Oh, yeah. God. (laughs) Which makes it great that they decided to set this film... At the turn of the decade in either 90 or, or 90, I think you said 91. 91 yeah, right? September 1991. Because yeah, it feels like if you made a movie now, would you think to set it in 2010? Like, yes. It, it, I don't know if that would be like mm. a, a choice that you would make, but for them, it was very much like it. Th- a lot of things had changed between 90 and 98, and that was the world they yeah. wanted to set it in. I like that. I mean, I, I remember hearing it was set during like the Gulf War, which is kind of yeah. you know part of underpinning it. You know, like the whole noir thing is supposed to be like World War II. It's like mm. big, important stuff. Mm. Whereas, you know, this is set during like a meaningless kind of military crap thing. It's like, yeah. Oh. The, uh, the aggression will not stand. <laughs> the aggression will not stand. And uh, I, love, I love that. Uh, that's one of my favorite lines there. And it, it, it introduces pretty quickly that there's a there's a thing in this film where the dude will hear something yeah. and repeat it. He's constantly repeating things that other people have said. Yeah, <laughs> and and other people do as well through it. But that's the first one that we get. This aggression will not stand yeah. from Bush on the TV, yeah. Bush Senior on the TV. Yeah. And then when he's talking to the big Lebowski, he's like, listen, man, the, this aggression will yeah. not stand, you know. And from then we get like these common – these mm. words keep popping up. Like we have the um, – uh, the Chinaman uh, phrase yeah, keeps yeah, coming up yeah. in that theme. Uh, we have Walter with a world of pain, Walter with am I wrong, yeah. you know, as a bit of a catchphrase. Um, and just constantly referring to Vietnam. Yeah, the whole Vietnam oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have uh, Brant telling the dude, her life is in your hands. Dude. And then the dude keeps repeating that around yeah. the place. Her life is in her hands, man. Um, you know, uh the, the, the you know the whole uh, even even the fact that they're gonna they're gonna cut off your Johnson that the Johnson thing keeps coming up.
up again and again and again yeah. as it goes on there. It's a great touch. Uh, yeah, it's great. Or there's yeah. so many little bits like that where it's repeated through. Mm. It's it's beautiful. Okay, so what have you done for me lately? Steve Buscemi has just done a, a series called Miracle Workers where he's playing God. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Um, Boardwalk Empire, he's, of course, had a big part in that series. Mm. Horace and Pete, Voldemort's vehicle. I say Voldemort. It was actually Louis C.K., but, uh, you know, they're on par. You're not meant to talk about Louis anymore. I'll talk about Louis all day long. <laughs> you know. um, but that was, a, that was a really great show. He, he played like a, a bipolar mm. uh, older brother to, to Louis C.K.'s character. Mm. They owned a bar together. And I don't know if many people saw that because it got released exclusively online, yeah. not on a streaming service. Oh, but, okay. uh, Just on Louis' website. Yeah. Mm. But, oh, okay. um, yeah, Steve Buscemi, he's worked constantly, consistently since before this film. And yes. Still, uh, yeah, it's probably a staple of a character actor that can fill yeah. any role. Pretty yeah, much. can do anything. Yeah. yeah, like in in Armageddon, he's playing a ladies' man. Yeah, and I watched that like, like last year or earlier this year, and I was like, they cast Steve Buscemi as a ladies' man. Yeah, <laughs> D- don't forget he was for about thirty seconds. He was Buddy Holly in Pulp Fiction with Quentin Tarantino when they went to the yeah. restaurant where all the American icons yeah, right. are. Okay. He's Buddy Holly for about thirty seconds in there, and he looks exactly like Buddy Holly. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, John Goodman, similar. Like pretty much every main yeah. cast person in this movie has just worked consistently. They did a great job casting it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in with, um, the Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Kong Skull Island. Once upon a time in Venice. Jeff Bridges has continued to make awesome movies. A lot of them mm-hmm. with Coen Brothers. I love True Grit. He's awesome in that, and it shows like along with this movie that even when they make something serious, they can inject a lot of humor into it because mm. I think that. That movie's got a lot of great moments. Uh, he was in the Kingsman sequel pretty recently mm. as well. Yeah. And the Tron remake. He's, yep. oh, yeah. and, and the Tron yeah. original as well. Don't forget yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's uh, Jeff Bridges. I rec- oh, He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Mm. Go back and look at his early stuff. One yeah. of the first films that he ever did was uh, Starman. If you've never seen Starman, which is a great science fiction film uh, where he's playing an alien. I'm not spoiling anything. He's playing an alien that is or alien intelligence that has cloned itself on a dead husband Mm. and it is an amazing film uh so early on and it's 85 i think yeah 85 84 somewhere around there and jeff bridges is just phenomenal in it Uh, john turturro yep he's probably mostly known for being in the transformers movies i want to say from the past couple decades yep uh, but I don't really recognise him from. He's just got one of those faces that he pops up. Yeah, yeah. he's a, another character actor, and of course, is fantastic as the Jesus. Jesus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, which I'm sure we will get to. Oh my, Tara! I think this was Tara Reid's first movie, and she doesn't have much to do, but she's definitely a, a known and presence. And it was yeah. just before American Pie, which was probably her breakout as far as her demographic yep. being that that teen movie kind of thing. She's yeah. been doing Sharknado movies yes. for the better part of a yeah. decade. <laughs> and uh, uh, Peter, Peter Stormare, who is one of the nihilists, he's got another one of those guys that you always recognize. Yeah. He, he always plays a Russian or something. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he was in Until Dawn. I don't know if you've played that, but he was like the psychiatrist that would pop up. Ah, okay. Yeah. Did like facial capture. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what these guys have been up to. Wait a minute, you're forgetting one of the major characters. 
one of the major characters, I would say the fourth most important character in this film, Julianne Moore, oh, Maud yeah. Lebowski. I, I, I was wondering when you were going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I well, may, I mean, I Jeff Bridges lost, and but... Julianne Moore are both in um, oh, one of those young adults fantasy kind of thingies. She was in Kingsman as well. Oh, yeah. She, ah. you know, just recently. She's been in everything. I mean, Julianne Moore is Julianne Moore for crying out loud. Yeah, she's a champ. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. that's, that's an omission. I'll wear that one. <laughs> yeah, good work. What is the... I mean, i got Tara Reid in there. So yeah, well... <laughs> What's the most 90s moment of this oh. film? Uh, that was tough. Because like, I feel like a lot of... It, it's almost the reverse. Like, a lot of this movie just, like, dictated the 90s of just, like, whoa. Mm. That, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's Bowling? a bit, it, it, it's a bit <laughs> timeless. Yeah, it's it, very timeless. Like, very... it could have been a 70s or a... Modern movie. Exactly. I think, but it is firmly set right at the beginning during the first Gulf War. So that I think is the most, I mean, it's set, it has a date on it right from the beginning. We see the speech. cheating though? If you're just like, well, it actually, if you look at the calendar, it says 1991. Well, there's a a bit of commentary about that through Mm. it. And at the time it was a bit stronger than what it carries now 20 years later. But remember... Uh, one of the discussions that's going on um, is uh, about Saddam Hussein. We have, in one moment, Walter, who's correcting uh, the dude for t- using the phrase Chinaman, mm-hmm. is yeah. then talking about the towel heads, talking about the camel effers, talking about you know different phrases about the people that they're fighting. So there's this funny commentary on what even back then was politically correct, right. but yeah. also setting that in about you know about a war. That is different to Nam because he's called, mm. you know, very much that's yeah. one of the last conversations you hear them having, how the war is completely useless compared to his war. And so there's a commentary about that, about that, you know, 90s, you know, part of it. But again, it's set in 91, made in 98. So it's a weird, you know, mm. sort of weird thing like that. Yeah, there's a few things that happen that are very 90s. So you have like Saddam Hussein himself showing up, you yes. know. In like a fantasy dream sequence. Was that Saddam or was that someone from the Gulf War? I don't know. No, no, no it's it's it's, Saddam. it's about Saddam. He, he was Saddam. in the Gulf War. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, in the first yeah. one. And that's like, I don't like know a- history. <laughs> it's like video game Remind- movies. Man. Was it was it Hot Shots two that had a big Saddam? Yeah, plot? yeah. Uh, and it's probably yeah. the same lookalike actor. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, that just the fact that they're like smoking in the bowling alley yes. inside is very nineties. Mm. Mm. Wouldn't see that today. I love the scenes where he's lying there listening to his Walkman and he's also got a beeper on him. Yeah. Like that combination is something that wouldn't have been seen since the decade. The, great, the great big phone that he has yeah, to carry, the, you know, actual, the portable phone. Yeah. yeah. Not even a cell phone, just no. a portable phone. Yeah. Like yes. that is a monstrosity of a machine. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks like he's got a handbag, yeah. but it's a solid plastic handbag. Yeah. Like what? That's the kind of uh, phone I, that you would show kids and they just wouldn't know what it was. The first time I saw it, they were in the car and I was just like, is that just a car phone or something? <laughs> it was like, no. Mm. It's a regular phone, but it has a receiver and everything. And mm. it's portable. Yeah. So the cast itself, do you feel like, because they've had consistently you know, solid work and they're still working now, does it feel like a 90s cast having John Goodman, Jeff Bridges and... Steve Buscemi in, in those no. key roles. They mm. they nailed he, they nailed it with that. Even mm. though I think two of them weren't their fir- first choices. I think Steve was Donnie, Donnie was always going to be Steve Buscemi. I think the other two were sort of second choices or third choices. Okay. But they killed. They've knocked it out of the park. They mm. just happened yeah. to get three great. If, well, if I include Julianne Moore, four of the best actors 
in the last you know, 30 years. Oh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, there's a whole whole string of fantastic people who are in this. Yeah. Uh, so I think they, they knocked it out of the park there. Yeah. We'll move on to most iconic scene. This is a tough one because <laughs> a lot. there's a lot of like great scenes, <sighs> but like the lasting imagery for me is just the bowling alley itself. And yeah. there's so many like uh, yeah. different scenes in the bowling alley, but I feel like the second one is the one with uh you got the hotel california playing mm. spanish version yeah you got the jesus that's mm. the scene that gives you the classic line well you know that's just your opinion man <laughs> yeah and, and the and donnie like <laughs> chipping in with i'm the walrus when yeah. they're talking about mm, lennon yeah, yeah. like yeah. not, not yeah. john lennon <laughs> yeah. i'm the i'm the walrus dude i'm the walrus well you know like keep on piping up in the back yeah. it's yeah. perfect that is a great scene. That is the scene to me that's like, uh, I guess it's like all the bowling scenes are kind of the iconography of this film, but that's mm. the the one bowling scene that stands out the most yeah. to me. I mean, I thought that was a pretty good one. The one that kind of jumped to my mind though more was the the whole crazy like drugged dream up sequences. dream sequence kind of thing. Which one? Because there's a I mean the second one, the second yeah. one, the like way the longer one. one where it's yeah. basically a whole James Bond <laughs> show tune yeah. thing, and he's sliding through like all the women, and then yeah. starts looking up and's like, oh my god, he's like upskirting them, and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just like, whoa, I wasn't thinking of that. To, to one of my favorite Kenny Rogers, early Kenny Rogers song. That's actually Kenny Rogers yeah. there with his original band. It's a phenomenal. Yeah. Song. That's yeah, that, awesome. and that that that's a really dividing for critics at the time, and even for people today, the dream sequences or the nightmare sequences, mm. the drug yeah. inducement sequences, the or the, the knockout trips that he's having, yeah. they're the most divisive thing about these films. Like people either love them, yeah. or they're like, this makes it really embarrassing. They really, really hate them. I'm on the fence with them because they're they're so. Unique and quirky, yes. but they just go a bit long for me. It is and a long scene. Like by the time that one comes around, we've already had the one where he's flying through the sky yeah. with the bowling ball, mm. and it's getting a little bit worn by then mm. for mm. me. But I, I, I still it. love it. I still love it. I, I I I hear you. It is a long scene, and it's a bit weird. The pacing of it is weird, but the expressions we get on on Jeff Bridges on the dude's face yeah I can't not have the movie for those expressions yeah. of the dance moves Jeff Bridges dancing down the steps is one of the greatest examples. oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, that is great <laughs> I, I guess I guess for me my favorite scenes is probably I'm, I'm gonna cheat here okay and have uh the stranger the narrator mm. so we have the narrator at the beginning we don't see him exactly at the halfway point exactly halfway in the po- halfway point in the movie the movie's 2 hours long the stranger appears again at the at the point where the dude is at his absolute lowest mm. and the stranger appears at the end and the the narrator in in what he says is obviously and if you know a Coen brothers film they love commentating on like a a godlike perspective on humanity type of thing. Right. I mean, and, I, and Sam Elliott is pretty much a god. Exactly, he is. He is the so great. Good. That voice is, is the voice of God for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, you know, observing and his wrapping up at the end is is great. And again, we get the repeated thing yeah. because at the middle of the scene, in the in the middle scene with the stranger and the dude talking, mm-hmm. as just the things are about to turn around, the stranger says to him, "You know, sometimes you, you know the you but you beat the bar." And the, or the bar bites you type of thing. You bite the bar, the bar bites. Yeah. And then the he dude says, repeats it back to him at the, at end. the end. I had a question about that because yeah. I, like, when I was watching it, I was watching it, like, on Amazon on my phone. Oh, my God, how much the times have changed, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and I was doing it with subtitles, and they subtitled it as the bear. The last scene? 
for like the whole thing. Okay, in the script, this is how nerdy I am. Okay, oh sorry. God in the original sake. script, I shouldn't have asked. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, the stranger says the bar at the in the middle scene, and the dude repeats the bear, getting it wrong right. at the end. <laughs> so I d- that's in the original script. Maybe it's different in the yeah, you know the a bar bite you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm not familiar with that expression. It might be again. It's an old Western thing. But I the, look anything to do with a stranger, and He's that right. and that breaking the fourth wall of commentating on the fact that this is a movie, yeah. this is a story, this is like a perspective of of God or an angel or an observer, whatever you yeah. want to call it, from an outside of yeah, like whatever outside of humanity's you know uh, uh, observance. It's it 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 takes it all up a level into okay. What type of parable is this? What type of story are we supposed to be learning? And um, you know, yeah. and the final line, like you know, sad about uh, you know, I was sad about when Donny passed away, but I happen to know there's a little Lebowski on the way. And so oh, for all the hardcore so Lebowski old. fans, they're like, are we going to get a sequel? Are we going to get a sequel with the son of Lebowski? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how much that plays into the amount of like speculation that goes into what this movie's about. Like, yeah, big there's time. There's so much, um, and I don't know where else it might come up in this conversation. So we might as well talk about it now. But the mm. whole like nihilism thing and mm. the fact yeah. that like I mean, the, this is the intellectual comedy. Yeah, like the dude is essentially a nihilist as well. And there's these theories. He's a, he's a pacifist. He he's is, a- but he, he's he's also <laughs> so nonchalant that he almost slots into that philosophy as well about whether things have meaning that like there's all these discussions about like nihilism as a theme of the whole movie not just that there's this group of nihilists yes but then it's like pacifism like you've got different characters representing capitalism and and Mm. all these isms yes And and the and the jewish faith itself yeah in in the man who is converted with Walter and how passionate he is about it, I look. I think the dude is a little bit more because he actually cares, like the difference that they're saying in the film is he's more the, Buddhist. Yeah, he, he's a bit more Zen about yeah, it. Yeah, he's hard yeah. to pin down because he cares about some stuff. He doesn't care about other things. Mm. Politically, he's hard to pin down because you know he's part of the original. What does he say? You know, I, I was part of the original team that wrote the paper in university, and I was part of this original team. But then he has a Nixon poster in his wall nixon bowling right and nixon who's a republican in the state so it's this what does he actually believe in mm. we don't really know and i don't think that probably doesn't matter it doesn't really that's it it yeah. doesn't really matter because absurdism but no well no, absurdism yes but he does care about things whereas the nihilists well, make i, I meant more the story in general yeah. but yeah yeah the, the cohen's certainly don't care as much as everyone that talks yes about <laughs> that's what i've for learned. sure for yeah. sure and where the nihilists keep on saying you know we, we you know we don't care about anything, nothing, nothing. You know, they keep on talking about that. Where, yeah, it's, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. In the end, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, think it matters. Yeah, no. I don't think he's nihilist because he's getting stressed out about stuff. And if it was really a nihilist, then who cares? True, true. This is just things that I've read. So <laughs> yeah. It's not my opinion. Man. <laughs> okay, well, form your own opinion. <laughs> what holds up the best? Oh, It'll, it, to me, it all holds up the best. I can't think of any scene that doesn't hold up. I mean, like little little choices. May, maybe the Jesus parts. You, okay. You're not a fan of the Jesus well, parts. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I. Well, it depends specifically on what scale we're talking about. If we're talking about it from, you know, like a like a kind of, you know, you know, would anyone be offended? You know, would this be made? Even though there's probably a question later on yeah, that's about that. But like, you know, like in that sense, I imagine like that's an issue. But like in terms of like, do I like it? I mean, 
Well, okay, maybe I won't say I like the Jesus parts. Maybe I won't say I like watching a grown man like lick a bowling ball <laughs> and then, you know, like, like you know, polishing his ball and he's squatting so, you know, the ball is just, a, you know, like a like an eight-year-old head level. Um, oh, I, I can't say I, I like that, that. No, I didn't make that connection either. Well, I mean, he's squatting and everything, yeah. you know. It's like you can't just stand up and, you know. Anyway. Um, it, it, look, it is over the top. It is totally... But I, I, I do like it. I do like it. It's totally the choice of the actor. The Coen brothers were blown away that he yeah. pulled out everything. The the, co- the costume, the fingernails, everything oh was brought in by the actor. It's one of, uh, you know, John T's favourite characters he's ever played mm. to the point with where he's made a sequel film with the Coen's blessings, but they're not involved at all. Yeah. And the Jesus film is about to come out, you know, like any, next year. Next year, yeah. they're saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe not, we might have to do a sequel episode. Yeah, it's not the kind of character, small side character that you would think would get its own movie. No, but here we are, especially in, the, in this day and age. He's in the film for like a total of about five minutes. You know, like yeah, even less. I would say. Yeah, I mean, half of that is is a musical sequence. Yes, <laughs> in slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> but he just put he leaves it all out there. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and you know, I guess there's a bit of depth to him as having this, you know mysteriously weird and, and criminal background. And, and I think, you know, we know that's going to be a plot point of this sequel. Of, yeah. You know, it's, it's his just redemption. It's just what I mean, I don't know. It's, it is part of the comedy, but it's just like, it's very hard to not see that as a possible thing when he's like licking bowling balls and stuff. It's like, you he's know, just he's a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. Weird, he just gets his bowling ball and he's just like, you know, putting his fingers trying, in the holes. Just, Oh, you like, mm, is he trying uh, to psych out? Is he trying to like, it's, it's, I think it's like, you know, a mus- what you a, think they're trying, he's trying to intimidate the competition <laughs> with his sexual energy. Maybe, but I think it might be a thing where it's like, you know, some musicians feel like, you know, they get their guitar, like Prince, you know, and it's a very like sexual thing for him to perform and to play. And it's like, you know, you talk, you hear like Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about like pumping so iron and it's yeah. like, he compares it to sex. And this guy who's... I'm, I'm his, down with that. I, d- I don't think bowling is very well, analogous to sex. This is, a, this is a good time to talk about bowling because it's... For this guy, like, he's clearly obsessed with bowling. Yes. And bowling, for people who bowl, it's an obsession. Like, it's their art form. It's their music. It's their weight, weightlifting. I went bowling last week and... And I pre. And the people who go bowling like every week for yeah. fun, I always feel like they are what people think the stereotype of us gaming nerds are. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm not they usually found... jerking it while I play play games. <laughs> well, neither. And, all, and also, yeah. I'm I'm usually not playing games in that public of a setting. No, but I mean, it, it's an interesting group of people. Security cameras, but they they found their community. You know, they're there. They're having a great time. They've invested a lot of time to become good at bowling, which mm. I I suck at bowling. Like I bowl like oh a, a like a seventy or an eighty, you know, because you only do it like every four years. Or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, bowling. It, it, how key do you think it is to adding flavor to this movie? It, I think I think it is because even back then in the nineties, in nineteen ninety eight, bowling was considered, I think, pretty much the same as it is now. Like this weird hokey pastime for weirdos you know type of thing it's considered very uncool and the fact that these guys consider it their like national pastime and something that they when everything else fails it's like let's go go bowling bowling. they're always bowling and there's something there's something beautiful about it and it's definitely in in the scene in the the bowling alley where it's set in which is gone now it's been i think it's a school or a 
car park or something now in LA, but where where it was, that's a was a really iconic, you know, that fifties Las Vegasy type of vibe. Mm. So it sort of echoes in to the whole feeling of it coming back. And I want to mention, since you brought up the bowling alley, and I'm going to tie it back to the stranger again because yeah. he's my favourite okay. character in it. Yeah. If you saw the seasons of Fargo that were not done by the Coen brothers, but the yeah. Coen brothers sanctioned them, you would have seen in the, I'm thinking it's the second season or the third season, they bring back the concept of the bowling alley being a portal to God or heaven. Which season okay. is this? Okay, is this, this the one with Ewan McGregor or is it? It's the one with, uh, is Ewan, yes, it's the Ewan McGregor yeah. one because it's got um, someone, an actress that I really, really like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, I is, is, so is, I do, yeah, where, yeah. where I remember they're being chased by the killers in the snow. They come across a bowling alley. They go in, and it's we're a, saved. And it's a, but it, but it, but it's a completely different universe there. And they're told about a child. They're told about oh, this man. weird supernatural stuff. And then the bowling alley doesn't exist. I need it, to finish season three. For <laughs> season. Wow, Spoiler, spoilers there. But the, yeah. but I think that's a way that a most. I mean, because it's made by Cohen brother Cohen brothers fanatics, mm. right? And they're yeah. speaking the language of the Cohen brothers films, and this speaks to this. Bowling Alley and the Stranger character being, you know, almost like a portal to another universe, another dimension. Yeah. And I love that aspect. And, of- and, and then just on the 10th lane, you've got like Sisyphus trying to push a bowling ball <laughs> up, the, up the lane. It's like, oh, yeah, it all, it all makes sense. Now. So uh, as, as far as what holds up the best... That was a great tangent. But what holds up the best, I think the soundtrack is still amazing because amazing. It, it wasn't contemporary music it was all like the, these great songs from previous decades and in the film nerd parlance it's all diegetic mu- music what does that mean diegetic ah. music means it's not a soundtrack on top of a scene oh, it's all part of the it's all yeah. part of the scene so yeah. every scene the soundtrack is either coming out of the dude's cassette you know cassette tape it's coming out of a radio mm-hmm. even the opening uh you know tumbling tumbleweed song which is over the soundtrack as it moves into the bowling alley, it reduces down and it's being played on a radio. You hear the same song on the radio. So right. they'll do that quite a bit where, like, for example, the Jesus scene where the Gypsy Kings are doing Hotel California, mm-hmm. another Eagles, a nod to the Eagles through the film. Um, yeah. uh you know, that's the soundtrack is filling up your speakers in your ears, but as it goes into normal motion, out of this slow motion dream sort of sequence, it's being played on the speakers over right. the over the thing, so yeah. all diegetic in a sense, and it's uh, I, I I love That's it. That's a cool touch. Although, what about mm. the uh, the dream sequence? That has to be an exception. Unless well, he's it's a diegetic because that's the sound. He's we're listening yeah. to his okay. brain. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that should be more like heartbeat sounds, <laughs> little synapses, and everything. Yeah, I uh, think uh, the characters hold up really well. Like, yeah, they could all appear in a movie now and still be. Just as entertaining, Walter's wokeness with the Chinaman is, yeah. is is interesting. As you know, it's not the preferred nomenclature. Yes, uh, Asian American, please. But I guess I didn't realize. I must have slept over the other references. Well, to, literally, as they walk out into the car yeah. after this. So after that, he pulls out of the gun. Yeah. And then oh whenever they're, they're walking out so into you know into that, he then starts talking about the war and mm. talking about you know using exactly derogatory words for Arabs. Mm. So it's it's sort of pointing out that it points out. I mean, I, I think all of that points out that Walter is trying to be a grown up, 
but he's in Arrested Development yeah. 100%. He's a child, basically. <laughs> he's trying to be a grown-up, but this is after he's left the bowling alley in which he's pulled a gun on <laughs> yes. someone because he thought he did a foul. Exactly. That's a, that's a good uh, segue into what holds up the worst. And TJ might have trouble with this one. Jesus. He, Jesus. Because he just said that everything holds up the best. But I, I guess it would be... I mean, Jesus. The, the, the <laughs> pulling a gun out in the bowling alley. I, uh, yeah. I wonder if that would fly these days. And I know the cops do turn up and they somehow escape yeah. without it. But th- that, <laughs> escape that's, by that's just like ignoring them. That's like pretty glaring. And I'm not saying it's a bad choice for the movie, but it is a glaring moment of like, is this happening? Like, it feels like today, like a surreal kind of this would never really happen type yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or, or someone would fire back at him. Yeah. Or someone would, you know, t- try to Ta- take him out. Him. Exactly. No it, could have been, it could have been no. a very short movie. Yeah. No, yeah. Just yeah. No, everyone's just like, oh, there's like Walter pulling out his gun again. He might have done that before. He might have been known for doing that. Yeah. Um, I don't I, I really, I find it hard to answer this one, um, what mm. holds up the worst. I think they could have, me personally, some of the things that I really like about the film and the th- things that make it hold up and rewatchable are some of the theories about it. Like, is Donnie real? Like that's one of my favorite oh, theories. Yeah, there. I have heard this. Oh, yeah. is is Donnie exactly? Is Does that so unfair? <laughs> like he already gets such a such a crappy run of it, yes. and then he just like dies like in the background of a scene that yeah. nobody cares about. Yeah. And now and now this series that he didn't even <laughs> exist. Because nobody interacts with Donnie. He what lives in his it? own. He lives in his own uh, universe. Apart from Walter, yeah. except for is he is he a figment of Walter's imagination? Is he you know these is he a dead oh. a dead buddy of Walter's from oh. Vietnam? That's a ghost, you know, type of thing. Yeah. What from Apocalypse Now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's been debunked. Jeez. Oh, totally debunked. Yeah. It's totally debunked. Everyone yeah. is debunked. But it's these are the things that you can rewatch yeah. in the film and make it fun. Yeah, yeah. Also the the also the actual plot and the mechanics of the plot of the movie are totally rewatchable. And that's where I might even tweak it a little bit if I had to tweak it is I think Maud's character is fascinating. Maud Lebowski is, is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I personally am on the theory that she's the one who's masterminding the entire scam, mm. you know, uh, making sure that the money goes out to her dad, make sure it goes out to the nihilist that she's employed, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that would be fun if they could beef that up a little bit. But maybe if you beefed it up, it would show the hand too much that she's she's in control. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because you say about beefing it up, but I actually feel like the movie is a little bit too long. Uh, like, yeah, I, I, I like, wouldn't disagree what, with Watching that. it, I felt like it's about 20 minutes too long. And yeah. kind of the third act, after they smash up the car in a hilarious scene, yes. um, yeah. he goes and meets the treehorn, the pornographer. Yes. Then he sleeps with Maud and then he meets the private eye. Yep. I feel like that kind of 15 20 minutes is just added like twists and turns to the plot that don't yeah. actually add a whole lot like mm. that they're, they're enjoyable because the whole movie's enjoyable yeah. but cuz the, the whole movie is this whole crazy twist and turn like yeah. ridiculous kind of thing but even after that car smashing scene i feel like they could have skipped to where the dude's driving his car and he figures out that you know he's been scammed by mm. the, the big lebowski and they go back there and see like bunny's car crash like i feel like that jump could, it makes it a bit more digestible as a film. Uh, but you young I'm, people I'm, wanting I'm, the film snappy. I'm like, here. <laughs> no, it, it's it's uh, yeah. That was just me because like you know you, you're watching a movie and you get to a point and you kind of hit pause to see how long there is to go. And it's like <laughs> no. oh, <man. laughs> yeah. I I I can't. I'm I love it all. I love it all. You know because if, if we don't get the private eye scene, 
we don't get the brother Seamus. I'm a brother Seamus. Oh, what you're an Irish monk. Right. That is like that is a fantastic, beautiful, you know, beautiful line in it. But I I love it all, so I'm biased. Fair. Yeah. Do you think that you must think that there's a limit to how long a movie should go? For? It's it's just under two hours. Yeah. Feels good to me. I'm not mm. bored through it. Sammy, you, I mean, you mentioned Jesus, but yeah. then, you all, then you also kind of said that you liked it, so I don't know. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, like, once again, like, and this, if it's the next question, that'd be great. Um, you know, good segue to like things people will not accept if we remade this movie. Hmm. Like, like that's like a little bit tasteless uh, to some people, especially you know, Pell and all that kind of jazz. So, uh, so your so your whole problem with the Jesus character is that he's presented as a pedophile in this film. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like I I I do find it like a little bit tasteless. It is kind of one of those things I do kind of you know awkwardly laugh of like, oh god, that's like the most aggressive ball polishing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's I don't know, it's it feels a little bit dated. Okay, you know, if I had to pick one thing that that. that Probably is what it would be. Sure. I think that it's okay to have bad people in, in films. Oh, no. Like, like I people, totally agree yeah. with that. It's just like it's a, it's a bit of a, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be offended on people's behalf or be <laughs> that kind of a millennial kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I asked the question, what holds up the worst? So, if, if, that's if, if Yeah, that's fine. To I think that's fine to say that that holds up the worst. It doesn't mean that you would change it necessarily. But yeah. the only other thing that I'll add is... The character of Bunny feels kind oh, of glossed over. Her. Like that is someone who I yes. feel like could have had a bit more depth. We we get this idea that she's a shallow, literally like prostituting Long. gold digger, yeah. porn star, but you don't get any sense of why the big Lebowski cares for her enough to go through this, if that's what we're supposed to be thinking at that point in the film. Mm. And mm. I don't know if that was just... I'm sure it was just a decision they made based on the script they had, but I feel like... Today, there might be a bit more added to her role. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. Yeah, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm bad here because I just think the movie is perfect. perfect. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so who would be the most offended if this came out now? I mean, like Christians, maybe. No, I'm I'm a full blown Christian, and I love this film. I loved it uh, all the way. Chinaman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look, I think people. I wouldn't. I honestly don't think I would know any Germans. Any well, <laughs> I don't think any Germans or actually Asian people would or Chinese people would be actually offended by the nihilist? characters in the film. Well, actually, nihilists wouldn't be offended by <laughs> yeah, anything. They're, they're not supposed to care of anything. I think you'd get the the offended brigade people who want to find offence in things would be mm. like, okay, you shouldn't use those words in in the you know in a film, even if it's in jest, you shouldn't do that. Mm. Um, but that's sort of the point that these characters are outdated they're living yeah. in the past yeah. and even the one walter who's trying to bring the dude into the present <laughs> even walter's imperfect and jumps straight back in there yeah. as well yeah. so i, I, don't I, know. I feel like uh, peter does. might have a problem with the ferret in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> yeah just because it doesn't take much to get them offside yeah. but Pedophilia yeah victim? Yeah, yeah, but, but, well, but yeah. again, this is the whole. And again, we'll we'll see what happens we will with the find sequel. Someone well, with, the, with the sequel of this Jesus film coming out, I think a big part of it, and the film never says we're relying on Walter, who's lying constantly throughout the film, yeah. telling a story about how this person is a pedophile mm. because he's such a sexualized character. Mm. So I'll flip it 
and say oh. that Walter was slut-shaming Jesus <laughs> because Jesus is such an overt, mouthy, sexual creature that Walter's Maybe being Walter's a prude. A Walter's being a prude and saying, you know, we don't like this because he keeps on talking all this sexual yeah. stuff and hence are getting a reputation like that. I personally think that's what the sequel is going to be about. It's going to yeah. be about a redemption of this guy who's been victimized in this way. I could be talking in my butt. He's I have offended. no idea. He's offended because he he you know he knows that in that, you know guns and he has a lot of respect for guns and he doesn't want them to be shoved up people's <laughs> as possibly like a like a kink thing. Yeah. Oh dear. So does the Big Lebowski pass the internet relevancy test? Well, no. Oh, Are you serious. I haven't seen any gifts or anything. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I I see. I, see my, it, yeah. I haven't. I I personally, in my circle, I've never seen okay. like anything okay. outside of like me specifically looking for it. Okay, that might be, and that might be part of your age. I will. Age I will bracket. say this: if you type opinion into the GIF generator, the first thing that comes up is that's just your opinion, man. Okay, and that's like the go-to like. Let's like end this argument right here. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I'll even I'll even put this: if you type in as a Christian, if I type in Jesus is a, into a gift generator, <laughs> the the first couple will might be Jesus and a crucifix, and then the next one is oh, Jesus dear. from the Big Lebowski oh, polishing wow. his bowl. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm still not offended, but I, 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 it's actually human. why do you need that much force to <laughs> polish them? You can just you can just it's he's a psyching out. He's psyching out everybody it's a else. Aggression, it's a visual gag. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like the dude abides, that's another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I but, think it's incredibly relevant today, still the film, yeah. Yeah. I okay. think it's I think it's relevant. I just don't think many people use it. At least not my age. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do we think smartphones and social media would change a movie like this coming out now? Because we've said how timeless it is. You wouldn't have the giant thing strapped to you. That's true. He would just have a, a cell phone. Yeah. Mobile phone. And you yeah, again, I mean, the, one of the important plot points in the film is the dude's answering machine, mm. uh, which is a problem in a lot of films from the 80s and 90s and even to early 2000s. The answering machine is still a thing. Yeah, uh, I love the kind of plot point, or not plot point, but the device of people leaving messages yes. and you can't stop it from happening. Yeah. He's getting interviewed by the cops and it's just like, oh, well, yeah. ca- there's your car showing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, but one, of the, one of the points might be that as they're researching information, if they had Facebook, that might change things. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. I was thinking about that, but I kind of feel the exact opposite because I feel like when you go onto Facebook, then you, you know, Google like, you know, Jeffrey Lebowski and you're like, oh, you know, there's a Jeff Lebowski in this area. <laughs> you know, somehow from that, you, you know, find out his details. Then you end up in the exact same situation. Yeah. Because there's probably like a whole bunch of other Sam Harkins. Exactly. <laughs> so you could, yeah, exactly. You could make that even part of the plot point of the mixed up identity yeah. because... Yeah. That's yeah. how we modernise this. Perfect. <laughs> in, the, in the remake, in the reboot that's coming. Yeah. I think um, if it was happening now, like, I know it's it's complicated. Did, did they fake the kidnapping or is it just... Um, misunderstanding I think, CSI on it. I think you would definitely know these days if it was legit or not because yeah. of like how present people are on social media yes someone like Bunny would definitely be posting Instagram, Instagram selfies yeah. in, 100%. with her friends in Palm Springs or but that whatever. could be instead of a toe being sent it could be her Instagram account you know, look, she's put it in, like the yeah. kidnappers have put a photo up on yeah. her Instagram. Oh my God, hi, <laughs> hashtag kidnap. Exactly, mm. all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think so. I think it does. Yeah. And I feel like a character like the dude 
I don't even know if he would be on social media. No. <laughs> or if he no. would carry a, a mobile phone. Yeah, and that, and that's I think that's big a big part of of where it doesn't pass the the internet relevancy test is that these characters, the dude and Walter especially, are dinosaurs. Even a dinosaur in 1998, the dude is a is a leftover remnant from the 60s. Walter is a leftover remnant of the of Nam, mm. and you know Donnie is just an enigma of Donnie. Donnie doesn't you know? <laughs> even exist. <laughs> the, the naive innocent there, um, <laughs> and the and the one who is the most modern, the most current person is Maud Lebowski. Mm, she is yeah. incredibly coming. She's a strong feminist. Mm. You know, she's confronting. She's connected with all this new stuff. And she's totally eclipsed and smarter than any, every, all the men in the room put together. So, um, yeah, the, I, I don't know. I'm sort of two-sided about that part. Yeah. So could you make this in 2019? And what would the 2019 version be? Oh. And it's, it's, I guess it's a tough question because it's a movie that was set eight, uh, seven years previous to it coming I mean, out. It, it totally could be remade because there's all, all kinds of, like, you know, like quirky kind of comedies, you know, that mm. aren't specifically... You know, like as wacky, you know, like the the stuff like Little Miss Sunshine, you know, yeah. was was the thing that came to mind of like you know a somewhat modern kind of you know character yeah. comedy kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think the the from the plot perspective, the whole like mistaken identity, huge mm. mis like it's like Pineapple Express is a movie that goes in a similar path where it's like two stoners who get caught up in a drug yeah. crime yeah. Oh, gangs and all that kind of thing because like a lot of a lot, a lot of yeah. this was you know taken lifted directly and taken from like noir novels and movies yeah. of of you know back sure. in the day so you know and and back in the 1998 the Cohen brothers are referencing films from like the 30s and 40s to mm. make that so go you know i think you think there's a smart way of updating it and keeping it pretty timeless uh, but my the fun thing that I did as a thinking about if we made a 2019 or a 2020 version, who would you cast in mm, these roles? Yeah, and I, you- I, well, I came up with a few. All right, I've got oh, to confess, okay. right. I did come up with a few because okay, this is how nerdy I am about this film. Uh, Jeff Bridges was 49 going on 50 when he made that, and he was already okay. and as we've already noted, he'd already had a career for 20 years mm. as a leading handsome man, so you know? 50. So you've got to think about someone... Yeah, exactly. Who's at that same Tom bracket? Hanks. No. Tom Hanks. Tom, no, he's way... No way could the dude, the dude couldn't be Tom Hanks. Yeah, I would Tom love Hanks. to see Tom Hanks playing a stoner. That no, I can't see it. No, no. Walter, played by John Goodman. John Goodman was, was about 45 at the time, so he had just come off... In the same year that The Big Lebowski came out, The Atrocity that is Blues Brothers 2000 mm, yeah, came out. That was not good. He'd also just done The Flintstones... And he'd yeah. all, and he was also just finished Roseanne, yeah. right? The first initial six, seven seasons of Roseanne had just finished. Uh, okay. Donnie, as Steve Lebe- uh, Steve Buscemi, he's timeless. He was forty when this was made, uh, and then you've got Julianne Moore, who was this amazing, um, you know, upcoming actress, and she was about yeah. thirty six, thirty seven at the time. So I'm thinking. So I went out there and looked at actors yeah. who are in those age groups. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I present. Serious. I'm gonna let you guys vote. Okay. This is this is who I thought. Could could play some people, a right? Surprise. Paul Rudd as the dude. Yeah, mm, I, I feel like maybe. he's. I feel like he looks too young. I know he's probably the same yeah. age. He's the same age. He, he hasn't aged okay. in like fifteen years. Yeah, All right, someone... here's a real obvious. Here's a real obvious answer. Yeah, Luke Wilson. Yes, Luke Wilson yeah. as the dude. Yeah, I could see that. Right, or I'll give you another one. Same age now, almost the same career. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. 
I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> I could if say he, that. If he, if, yeah, either of those guys, if they can stack on a few kgs and yes. and grow, let like, themselves go uh, a little just, bit. Yeah. yeah, just give them a bodysuit, whatever. Okay, uh, a really obvious. Well, I mean, people are like people are talking about when you know we had Thor. Like, yeah. was, wasn't it? Um, we we're getting references to the Lebowski in there. Mm. That definitely, and that shows you how how current Lebowski is, how yeah, cult- culturally yeah. relevant it is. Look, my personal p- pick that I would have. And it's a little bit left of center. Would be someone, and a lot of people don't even know who he is, but Justin Thoreau, Jennifer I, I Anderson's husband. Yeah. yeah, he was in uh, the Leftovers. He's been in a lot he's, of films. He's uh, the one who's the president of Canada. Yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting actor. He's a bit of a leading heartthrob guy. I think he would be able to play, and he's got to me. He's got a bit of a Jeff Bridges type mm. of vibe, and he's a really versatile actor. Okay. I'd love to see what he would did in something like this. Yeah. But if you want to get a twenty twenty culturally appropriate dude okay. blow your mind yeah Dave Chappelle <laughs> Dave Chappelle Dave is the Chappelle. dude I don't know mm. I, I don't know I don't. I can't see that working you with, can't with, see with... Dave Chappelle as a stoner dude I can but I mean but I, not, I... maybe not as a lazy stoner dude oh totally and especially the, the, here's where I'm going to get meta super hyper. He, got, this, this... he got really buff lately though he's gotten really buff I've been letting him go for a little bit but he, let's go even meta as we're recording this, Dave Chappelle is all across the news because yeah. his new special is politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. The offended brigade have come out in droves and said, Dave Chappelle, mm. we're not happy with you anymore. Out you go. You're using wrong language. You're talking about you know, uh, you know, know, uh, trans people in a wrong way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Being meta with that and the cultural inappropriateness that goes on in the film, I think Dave Chappelle's a great pick. It <laughs> it kind of makes sense from the perspective of if you're going to reboot something, you have to do it from a different cultural perspective, and that's the whole like, oh, let's make Ghostbusters with women, or yeah. let's, but let's, let's, let's make a black version of the Big Lebowski. Well, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't, I, I don't like you know just transferring it over there or women or anything like that. But I think throwing in someone like Dave Chappelle in that, there's a, a sort of a, a vibe there. Exactly. Then you've got to think Martin Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Do we do we get the Rock to play Walter or something like that? All right. Here's my here's my version of Walter. Right? Okay. Yeah. Most obvious one, Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I was thinking about it. The other one that I was thinking, it's probably not the right age group, but just in terms of the intensity, like, what if you got Adam Sandler? <laughs> How well, crazy that, would that, that be? Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. I think another two other guys that could be put out there, but it would might be a bit too comedy. Would be Jack Black as as you know blow. You can imagine Jack Black blowing up. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, like he was in Tropic Thunder and everything, and I could I could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Or my personal peak because okay. I just love him, but it might be too comedy. Zach Galifianakis. Well, I've said that wrong. Zach. Galifianakis. 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 Yeah. So there we go. We'll get it right eventually. Um, he could be the dude. Could he be the dude? I, I thought of him as the dude, but I think of him being a post-war, pent-up, angry guy. Mm. Could think, be. Yeah, I think those three I really good that picks. Angry. I got one more for you. David Harbour, who is Ooh. Hopper yeah. from Stranger oh, yeah, Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, could, I could see that. He, he, I reckon I mean, he could totally yeah, do it. I think, yeah. Who was the first guy you said? Uh, Nick Offerman. I think he's my pick. Yeah, Nick Offerman. <laughs> but they're all, they're all really Nick good. Nick or Adam. All right, lastly, really quick. Donnie, right? The Steve Buscemi poor, role. Poor yeah. boy. Bill Hader. Yeah. Mm, yeah, he's, yeah. He's sufficiently weird. John Hedder, otherwise known as yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. He's basically oh, retired. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> or I've got two other weird ones to throw out there. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Mm. Or here's a, here's a great one. Topher Grace. Oh, man. 
As soon as you mentioned Topher Grace, I'm in because yeah. I just love him. He, where has he been? This would be a great role, a little weird role He's for him awesome. to play. I don't think of like characters that I can think of that just kind of look sickly. <laughs> like, and then I would for Julianne Moore, I would get someone like in the same age bracket is Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. Scarlett yeah. Johansson, yeah. Uh, and as I mentioned before, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She, they're they're all that they could yeah. carry that sort of pretentious artist air. Yeah, especially yeah. Natalie Portman would be great in that role. Yeah, there's there's my well reboot. There you go. <laughs> I, I'd watch it, <laughs> especially with. Uh, Nick Hoffman involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I even think that uh, Dave Harbour could play the dude. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon he could. Hopper is the dude. I reckon he could channel that. I mean, he, he, was, he was a bit disheveled, like, in the first yes. season. You yes, know? Yeah. Yep. yeah, he has his moments. There you go. Thanks for that, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming to a close. Uh, I've got a, a couple of useless trivia uh, notes here. 260 F-bombs in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of it, swear words. It's still only like top thirty as far as the record yeah. goes. But uh, yeah. I, I, Sam Elliott's just like, don't cuss. So yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of like DJ at that, at that moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sam. DJ's been the champion of the bleep bleep the swear words on your podcast brigade. So that's that's me. This might be one of the first podcasts to do that. Oh really? Yeah. What on the collective? Oh well, just the first episodes on this podcast. Okay. Sammy, so, so Sammy, I can get all of them out now. Get them all out. <laughs> I mean, we're we're only we're only bleep the c word on on our one. Okay, <laughs> so, so we still have to best that out. Speaking of of like bleeping and censoring, I love this little tidbit. Oh, I know exactly what you're about to say. Do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Fantastic. That, that's the like uh, TV slash like aeroplane edit of the uh, F stranger in the A scene when he's smashing up the car with the golf club. Oh, my God. I love most, it. Most creative. And apparently John Goodman came up with that yeah. himself. It's hilarious because you can almost not even see his mouth yeah. moving when it's happening. <laughs> they could have just cut the line altogether. But, and yeah. it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Find yeah. a stranger in the Alps. Okay. Oh, my God. Fantastic. That's such a crazy scene. Uh, another little trivia here. According to uh, Joel Cohen. Is it Co- Joel Cohen? Yep. Yeah. Sure. So the only time they gave direction to Jeff Bridges, he he would come over at the beginning of each scene and say, yeah. do you think the dude burned one on the way over here? And they'd usually say yes. So Jeff would just go in the corner and like rub his eyes and they were bloodshot. I didn't notice it when I was watching the movie, but I no. think that's what makes it great is that it's just like a little touch that like adds to the overall and that, character. And that, that leads to one of my favorite scenes where the dude finds the homework in the smash car, mm. in his smash car, and you have that scene where he's scanning the homework, looking at all the notes, and you get these closer-up shots of his eyes where right. he's looking and he's got these big blue... And you're like, yeah. oh, my goodness, he's got big blue eyes. You never really see his eyes the entire film. They're always squinty and red. Mm. But, um, yeah, phenomenal. And the other, here's another great trivia. Every scene in the movie, maybe bar one, Bar one, there's one. There's a contention about one scene. Every scene has the dude in it. Yeah, I read that today as well. Yeah, Je- Je- Jeff Bridges in every scene, like even he's in the background in a car when yes. the nihilists are talking in the cafe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that type of thing. There's a couple of moments where you're like, really, you're going to let that slip? But he's either you know in the background, in the foreground, or something of every scene, every mm. plot point in that movie, it revolves around the dude. I would say apart from the tumbleweed at the, the start of the movie. That's the dude, man. He is, he is the, the tumbleweed. <laughs> there you go. So the Steve Buscemi Sparkplug Award, the nominees are Sam Elliott as The Stranger, John Tutero as Jesus. I had Philip Seymour Hoffman on this because I just don't think he does too much 
to be discounted. Tara Reid's in it very shortly. Peter Stormare as the the nihilist that gets the most lines. I'm not going to give Flea uh, a shout out here because I don't know if he says anything. <laughs> he, apart he, from does, he does, he does, he's great. <laughs> he screams pretty well when he gets hit in the gut with <laughs> a bowling ball. Oh my God, uh, yeah. But who, who do you guys think deserves this honour of being the spark plug? What's the spark reward specifically? So for the audience, that, someone that comes in and they just light it up while they're on screen, but they don't have like a you know they're not going to be nominated for best supporting actor. They're not carrying a, a lot of the burden. It's yeah, just, uh, just I a mean, little shout out to to those guys. I, re- I reckon Philip Seymour Hoffman did mm. a really good job as kind of you know this really kind of like doting, like trying to be friendly, but also. You know, it's like, oh, please, would you just call us back? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's we just need what, like one little thing, and you know, you can just imagine, you know, the big Lebowski just standing behind him. Have you got him yet for me? Yeah. I just um, love like every scene that he's in. Like, yeah, I'm enamored. Yeah. So I, I, that's my pick, just because, like, you just want more of him. Like, I just wanted yeah. more of of him, oh, and he does such a great <laughs> job in in comedic roles. Like, mm. he is someone, as I mentioned before, he's known for his drama, but. You know, along came Polly. He's he's really great in that Amazing. movie, as like a very different kind of character for him. And in this movie, again, like I don't know who else could have pulled it off in quite the way that he he did this. No, but mm. does uh, Sam Elliott have have a, a case? Yeah, he's to me Sam Elliott as the stranger <laughs> is the is the most inspired casting of all time. He's amazing in yeah. that that voice, His voice the is. look, the cowboy. You know, he just wandered on set one day. <laughs> Apparently, he was like confused as to why they cast him in this yes. movie. Yeah. <laughs> but did you get like Bastion vibes? Do you feel like that I game mean, was influenced yeah, by the voiceover? I mean, it's a trope, I'm not I sure if, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's more kind of, I mean, I, I'd argue it's almost more Morgan Freeman inspired, you know, in, in Bastion. Sure, yeah. You know, it is, it is an African American voiceover in, yeah, in, the, in yeah, the video game Bastion yeah. for, for DJ wondering what we're talking about over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm just quiet. I'm over here. I don't know what does, you're talking about. <laughs> does Jesus get. get uh, he, look, he is, he's fun. And as far as defining a spark plug, he is the spark plug. Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. Uh, but. Um, I don't know. I'm I I'm such a fan of the the, the you know the narrator there, mm. the stranger, the cowboy who comes in. He's great. This is a hotly <laughs> contested one, but I think Philip Seymour Hoffman wins. Oh, Re- rest in peace. You know, yes. uh, the yeah. late great, uh, and, worthy. And yet again, Steve Buscemi not winning his own award. But his, his, his <laughs> well, day, he's like his I, day will come. He you doesn't didn't even list him. Oh, did I not say him? He didn't <laughs> list him at all. I mean, he wasn't, nom- he wasn't even nominated. Oh, there you go. I don't know. I f- I, as I said, I much. felt bad for him, especially with all these series of like, he doesn't even exist. He wasn't. <laughs> he didn't die. He was never alive to begin with. Closing out the Big Lebowski podcast, is it still a good movie? I mean, yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's amazing, <laughs> this film. Highly recommend it. I agree. I think that unlike some of the other ones we've talked about on this podcast, it's easy to recommend this to someone who hasn't seen it, whether mm. they're of our age of of younger generations if there's if someone was like 16 and interested in you know film history i would tell them to watch this if they're a comedy buff i don't think you need to understand what it was like in the 90s mm. it's not a movie like a billy madison that you watch and you're like it was why weren't it, you it, paying fortnite it worked mm. at the time it doesn't really work it doesn't there's none yeah. of that it just it just works yeah. because it's yeah 
these guys who have a pedigree of like Oscar movies deciding to do a comedy and the cinematographer for this movie as well. We haven't really talked about, I guess the technical aspect, but he is a guy that has like won so many Oscars for working with the Coen brothers and doing these like masterpieces and applying that to a comedy and the, creativity that's on display from mm. that perspective is, is yeah and the other holds thing, up well. and we haven't really mentioned this it's infinitely rewatchable because I think it's infinitely quotable there's mm. so many every time you watch the movie a line will pop in your head and the next day it'll pop back in your head like for me I was walking around today going you want a toe? I'll get you a toe. Like, like the the way the Walter right. the way the Walter says that to you know to, to the dude. You just apply it to like anything. Oh, you want chips? Yeah. I'll yeah. get you chips. Exactly. You know, or even Donnie's little your phone's ringing, dude. As he's walking, yeah. like little moments like that. There's so many little lines that are just so well placed and so re- re- well acted mm. that they just it's all perfect for me. Yeah, and mm. I think that's one of the things that's kept it relevant is just dudes like you probably quoting it at parties. Yeah, nerds. Uh, yeah. Nerds. Nerds like me. <laughs> Deej, what do you reckon? It obviously yeah, I I, I think it's a even... fantastic movie. I think you know, I, I was I was somewhat joking when I was like, oh yeah, it's very intellectual, but it kind of is. Mm. Like it, it, it is kind of such a interesting, you know, look at this, you know, crazy awful kind of yeah. swirl of stuff going around this this guy. And I think, you know, it is kind of very relatable to people for that reason that kind of, you know, feel like are all these crazy forces around them controlling them? Yeah, uh, and it's but it's also very funny. And there's also you know a guy smashing up a car with a crowbar and <laughs> saying you know this is what happens when yeah. you find people in the Alps or something. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. yeah. Like there's so much like frustration that I'm just like yeah I kind of feel that I kind of feel like you know wanting to go crazy about that <laughs> and or just you know walk around in a bathrobe and drink alcoholic drinks just on the reg. We haven't even mentioned the white Russians yet at all. <laughs> yeah. The dudes drink. Sarsaparilla, though. <laughs> You've got your sarsaparilla there, Sammy. Yeah. Sammy's appropriately dressed in dressing gown just for this occasion. Yeah. And you brought one and then you never <laughs> wore it. You just left it in the car. It's because it's Baby. pink and it's my wife. And again. Uh, then it? why did you even bring it? Just in case DJ brought one and I didn't want to be the only one left out. I, I don't have so instead, n- So now, instead now I'm the, only, I'm the only one left <laughs> yeah. in. So you're the only one cool enough to pull it off. Let's put it that way. But yeah, yeah sure. I mean, I feel like compared to the other films we've talked about on this podcast where, you know, we're, we're talking about movies that are headlined by these A-list blockbuster comedians, Mike Myers, Jim Carrey's, Adam Sandler's. This movie isn't attempting to, to draw in everybody. I think that's probably why it didn't make a lot of money. I think that's why it's become more popular over time Mm. it's not a movie for everyone Mm. but i think that if everyone gets around like it's not marketed to everyone but if everyone gets around to watching it i think that it's pretty damn enjoyable yeah yeah i love it Mm -hmm. all right well that was comedy rewind of course the itunes reviews go a long way to helping us get the word out there keeping the uh the white russians poured and (laughs) ice cubes in in the glasses you can uh you can do that on itunes or podchaser and of course I want to hear your questions, comments, and corrections about The Big Lebowski. Let me know what you think, and if I get enough feedback, I'll record a follow-up mini-episode to respond in the weeks between new episodes. So you can do that by hitting me up on social medias. I'm at Jono himself. DJ, where can people find you? DJ Payne with an E on the end. P-A-I-N-E, DJ Payne. I'm that on everything. Fantastic. (laughs) Even uh, MySpace. Yep, I am. <laughs> you joke, but I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 DJ Payne on everything. Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to find me. Sammy yeah. Deej. 
Uh, well, yeah, my main thing is uh, Sammy Dedge on Twitter, which is uh, spelled S-A-M-M-Y-D-E-D-G-E. Uh, yeah, and I post about all the awesome things, including stuff I put, like videos uh, for 8-bit and stuff. Yeah, and Inconsolables is your video game podcast. Yeah. It comes out every It month. comes out every uh, Tuesday, and we have also got uh, episode 150 will either coming out, depending on when this is coming out. This but isn't coming out, coming out for a while. <laughs> okay, well, it happened a while ago, and I, I hope you tuned in. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm very disappointed in you. Go back and um, listen to episode 150. Yeah. And dear listeners, thank you, of course, for joining us on Comedy Rewind. As always, be kind and abide. <laughs>